Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Appreciate you joining us for today's excursion into the Word of God. We are in Jeremiah chapter number 16. Really, really, really appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord and to His Word day by day. I have loved this little study of the book of Jeremiah, and I haven't mentioned it a whole lot, but uh, it is the hard truth. Uh, That's been the theme of the entire book, and truth hurts sometimes. It's ultimately beneficial and ultimately brings blessing and peace in our lives, but uh, when we are confronted with our sin and our backsliding, which is a key word here in Jeremiah and in Habakkuk, uh, then sometimes it hurts. And Jeremiah has been a faithful prophet, preaching a series of messages, not only through words, but also through his life. And we learned uh, last episode that sometimes God requires of his servants, of his communicators, some pretty tough object lessons. For instance, Jeremiah, don't get married. I I want your single life itself to be a sign. And then, uh, Jeremiah, uh, don't go and grieve when people die because I want you in this action to almost be a prelude to the fact that many will die and there will be no one there to mourn them. Look at verse number uh, eight of our text, Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse number eight. Watch a third thing that God tells Jeremiah not to do. Verse number eight, thou shalt not also go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and to drink. So the house of of feasting refers to celebratory events. Like uh, today, we would have a graduation party or a wedding reception or a whatever, uh, a feast, a family time, a celebration And what God says to Jeremiah is don't go. Don't participate in these times of great joy and festivity. Why? Why would God prohibit Jeremiah from attending these events, which would at least give him a momentary time of of joy, even though judgment's coming? Watch what it says. Verse number nine, four, or here's why. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will cause to cease out of this place in your eyes and in your days, the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. So uh, a typical feast uh, of celebration back in those days was a wedding. And God said, Jeremiah, don't go to any feasts that are celebrations. And here's why, because there's coming a day soon that all of those celebrations will cease. People won't be marrying or giving in marriage. Uh, It'll be a time of judgment, a time of mourning. And your life now is to be a symbol of what it will be. Look at what God specifically told him there in verse number nine. He said, Jeremiah, in your eyes and in your days, 
I'm going to do this. So uh, of to see of this place, so here in this place, your eyes and in your days. So think about the specificity of what God has said about judgment. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen in your lifetime, Jeremiah, and you will see it. You will be an eyewitness. So these are, I mean, tried and true words that the Lord is giving that people need to pay attention to. And so, Jeremiah, let your life be an example in your marital status. Let your life be an example in the fact that you will not mourn with those that mourn or laugh with those that laugh or celebrate. Look at verse number 10. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt show this people all these words. So, Jeremiah, when you're preaching this message, both in word and in sign, when thou shalt show this people all these words, and they shall say unto thee, wherefore hath the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? Or what is our iniquity? What is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? Now, it, it seems almost to me incredulous that the people of God will will ask Jeremiah, well, what, what, what have we done wrong? You know, what did we do to deserve this? Have you ever asked a question like that or, or heard that question posed? You know, what in the world did I do to deserve such a fate like this? Well, that's what God's people will say. You know why? Because one of the greatest, uh, what, what should I say, effects, one of the greatest effects of sin in our life is that sin renders us delusional. We, we, we step into sin by degrees, and more and more we become less aware of how bad sin is, how sinful we are, because we're seeing it all around us. We're seeing everyone else do it, and little by little, we've changed the standard of assessment from the Word of God, uh, from the character of God to the way people live and what people do and how things have evolved until eventually we can't see ourselves as sinners. We can't see ourselves as having done wrong, and why would God judge us? And so one of the most insidious results of sin in our life is that it renders us delusional about who we are. We don't see ourselves as sinful. That's one of the reasons why God added the law, the first covenant, the law, the the Ten Commandments. Why? Because the, the Jewish people were not seeing themselves as sinful. And so in order to show them the sinfulness of their ways, the Bible says the law was added because of transgression to show, to make sin more exceeding sinful, to show sin in its true ugliness, to give a a true reflection of sin. And the only way we're going to have a, a true reflection of sin in our own lives is when we look at ourselves against the standard of God's character and his word and his righteousness. So here uh, the Bible says that the people will say, well, why is God pronouncing this evil? What, what have we done wrong? What What is the sin that we've committed? It's almost as if uh, they are completely devoid of any self-awareness. Look at verse number 11. Then shalt thou say unto them, because your fathers. Now, that's an interesting answer. So God says, Jeremiah, 
if they ask this, then give them this answer. And the answer I want you to give them is, because your fathers have forsaken me, saith the Lord, and have walked after other gods, and have served them, have worshiped them, have forsaken me, and have not kept my law. Now, that almost seems a bit unfair. So Lord, why this judgment? Why this evil pronouncement? Why are you going to deal with what what have we done? And the answer, Jeremiah, that you give them is, well, your fathers did this. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, why would God be judging them for what their fathers did? Well, in essence, he's not judging them for what their fathers did, because what we're going to read in the next verse is that they are equally culpable and they have done the same things as their fathers. We're going to see that in a moment. The point is that that God has been dealing with this for a long time, even longer than you've been alive. The, the pattern of sinfulness, because what they're asking is almost like, well, what have we done? You know, we must have done something bad recently for all this to happen. And what God is saying is, no, this has been going on for a long time. This is generational. You've grown up in this culture. You've grown up. Your your fathers, that means your forefathers. That means your fathers and your grandfather and your great-grandfather. I mean, this has been a generational problem among God's people. So there's two implications. Number one, the implication is that our behavior oftentimes is a result of our environment. Not that we can blame our environment, but the fact that we are raised in sin and uh, we are sinners because our fathers are sinners. And so were their fathers all the way back to Adam. But I think the second implication is the fact that, yeah, I know that you are incredulous about the fact that, that God's judging you, but God for, for all intents and purposes, should have judged you long ago. God has been merciful, 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 long-suffering, generationally long-suffering to you. So there's the implication of God's goodness. Now, look at verse number 12. And ye have done, so he talked about the fathers in verse 11, but verse 12, and ye have done worse than your fathers. For behold, ye walk Every one after the imagination of his evil heart, that they may not hearken unto me. Now there's the indictment. So lest they felt they had some wiggle room, like, well, we didn't do this. Our dads did. No, now the Lord says, and you have done the same. As a matter of fact, your sin is an exacerbatingly bad. You have done worse than your father's. Uh, you have walked every one. You have walked. Ye walk. You know what that means? That means the sin is more than something they're thinking. It's more than a matter of a of a disposition of the heart. No, but this has turned into the way they live, their walk, their actions, their activity. Ye walk, but watch this. Ye walk every one. So notice the widespread nature of their sin. Every one of you. This is endemic to the nation. You walk everyone after the imagination of his evil heart. So you're making decisions based upon wrong criteria. And the wrong criteria is the fact that you have a heart that's not bent toward God, a heart that's not drinking in the word of God, a heart that's not based upon the principles of God. 
So every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. It's kind of like the book of Judges revisited, isn't it? And so you're walking after your evil imagination. This sounds eerily similar to the judgment that God declared upon the world uh, back in Genesis chapter 6, ahead of the flood, when he said, uh, I see that the thoughts of their hearts are only evil continually. So what's the point? The point is God does see the heart, but he sees more than that. He sees how the heart ultimately and always will affect the way that we behave. So behavior has a root, and the root of behavior is the heart. So God sees it in its incipient, in its seminal form, in the heart, and God indicts them for that. So you're walking after the imagination of of his evil heart that they may not hearken unto me, and you're not listening. When I'm pointing this out, when I'm preaching to you, when I'm calling to attention your sinful thought process, when I'm calling to attention your sinful ways, you are not listening. So not only are they sinful, but they're sinfully resisting the rebuke and reproving of their sinful behavior. So it's doubly bad, isn't it? Look at verse number 13. Therefore, so you asked me why, the why is that you have sinned, and so here's the result. Therefore, will I cast you out of this land into a land that ye know not, neither ye nor your fathers, and there ye shall serve other gods day and night. So that's what you've been doing anyway. You've been worshiping false gods. So I'm going to give you, in essence, what you've been doing. I'm going to give you what you want. Uh, One of the attributes of my people is that they worship me exclusively in a land that I have given them. But you're in the land I have given you, and you're not worshiping me exclusively. And so you lose the prerogative of having my blessings. So I'm going to give you, in essence, what you want, other gods. So I'll send you to the foreign nation, uh, to the enemy, and you can worship those false gods all you want to, day and night. It's a little bit of tongue and cheek, isn't it? You serve other gods day and night where I will not show you favor. No, you're going to get what you wanted, other gods. But you're not going to want what you got. Why? Because my favor. And I'm the only living God. I'm the only one that can bestow grace and favor. You will lose that. That's a bad trade. So there we'll stop in verse number uh, 13. I really wanted to get to verses 14 and 15 today, but uh, we'll pick up there next episode and work our way toward the end of the chapter. Until then, uh, thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great day today. I really do. And we'll see you next time. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time. God bless.